You are listening to KGNU FM 88.5 Boulder, KGNU 1390 Denver. I'm Shannon Young. We'll be spending the next half hour in the Sun Valley neighborhood of Denver, near the intersection of West 8th Street and Federal Boulevard. On a Friday evening in late July, dancers and musicians from the Grupo Tlaloc Danza Azteca gathered to celebrate the restoration of community murals that had been erased from public view. At the helm of the effort is Lucha Martinez de Luna, director of the Chicano Chicana Chicanex Murals of Colorado project. She's also the curator of Latino history and culture at History Colorado. While these are separate uh-huh. projects, there is an intersection between Latino history within the state of Colorado and these Chicano, Chicana, Chicanx murals in Denver. Exactly. What is that intersection and how did you end up at the corner of it? <laughs> uh, that's an interesting story. Um, the reality is I'm actually uh, an archaeologist and I'm director of an archaeological site in Mexico. and. The really the story begins when I'm younger um, because I was fortunate enough to grow up surrounded by art. My father was um, the pioneer of the mural movement here in Colorado and my whole life I was around murals. Um, The other artists painting the murals, collaborations with my father and other muralists and I really felt like they were a part of my life, these murals. Um, And so when I started this um, archaeological project that I'm currently working on, I would be going back and forth to Chiapas, Mexico, and I would be gone for about a month or two, and then I'd come back. And, you know, when you step away from your city for a little while or your home for a little while, it's amazing what you, like, you appreciate your home a lot more, but then you also notice when a home, uh, when a city is being uh, gentrified, and displacement is happening at a very fast rate, you notice things that I think you take for granted were there um, before. And that's what was starting to happen is like, wait, I turn a corner is like, wasn't there a building there before? Wasn't there an older house there before? And wasn't there a mural there? So I just couldn't believe how fast things were changing, like circa 2011, 2012 how quickly things were happening in the city. So I started really getting worried about the murals. I was like, if they're being erased, first of all, is there any conversations happening about the erasure of these murals? And then second of all, do we have archives of these murals that are being erased? You know, I didn't go to school for, I didn't study history, I didn't study preservation, but so the only way I could really figure out how to do this is how I do archeology span where you start archiving and you start cataloging. Um, and I normally do it with artifacts, but now I was doing it with murals. So I started reaching out to artists, um, visiting them with the murals, recording them as they were describing the murals. And that's how it initially started. But then this larger kind of like problem was happening. It's like they keep getting erased and how are we gonna save them? And of course, you know, for me um, growing up with murals painted by my dad and others I really was thinking wow you know it's possible that if I have grandchildren or great-grandchildren they will never see any murals painted by my dad or anybody else and that really scared me so I started attending preservation meetings and one of the first questions I asked them at these meetings because they would do community meetings talking about buildings and the other structures and it's like well 
how do, what are you doing about murals? And I, and I said, why, why don't we hear about the preservation of murals? And the reality is in Denver, I found out, and I believe in Colorado, um, that murals are considered paint on a wall. So they don't even think of them as a, a work of art. They don't think about their value, their cultural value, or their historic value. So what do you do when you're trying to protect something that is considered paint on a wall? If I told anybody that in Mexico, they would just like burst out laughing. It's like, how could you possibly call a mural just paint on a wall? So there was a lot to like, a lot needed to be done and I didn't know anybody else doing it. So I started going to more meetings, started advocating for the murals, initially started off with just doing tours, doing a couple of talks, and then it just grew from there. And um, with a lot of support from Historic Denver, History Colorado, and even the city of Denver, especially when we were doing the cultural historic designations for Lincoln Lama Park and then later La Raza Park that happened this year, um, we were starting to finally have these conversations about, okay, how are we going to protect these murals? Because there's murals in these historic cultural designated um, areas, but there's still nothing in place to protect them. So that's kind of where it all started, where all started and where I'm at right now with these murals. And with this particular mural, it was erased while we were in quarantine. And I really just was like, wow, we just, this just has to stop. You know, how do, how do we stop this? So um, the, what's really fortunate about this case is that um, in a lot of these communities where the buildings, where the murals were painted on, um, the people of the community didn't, did not own them because of the redlining that was happening in the 70s when these murals were being painted, which meant that you know, there were really heavy restrictions into what you can invest in and banks would not give you loans to really own your houses, own these buildings in these historically or redlined um, areas that were historically marginalized communities, tend to be uh, ethnic and diverse communities. So the reality is this opportunity that we had to do something was because there was somebody from our community that owned this building. So we approached them and asked their permission to really pursue um, the possibility of talking to the person, the, the entity that was involved in paint, uh, painting over the mural and how can we come up with a solution. And fortunately, um, we came up with a solution. They, uh, one of the things I did when the uh, mural was first painted over is I collected on social media a lot of comments about the community and the community comments and how they felt. And I collected all of those, had some, uh, some people wrote letters, and then we sent them. So they understood the importance of these murals. So the big thing is advocating for these murals and building awareness, like what we're doing, um, talking to um, cultural organizations and even the news about why these murals are so important to our community and why we need to save them. So making them aware uh, that this was really something devastating for the community. They did want to help and we found a solution. And it was, it was quite a journey for us because we have never brought back a mural that was painted over. We have never fully restored a mural. Um, you know, there were initial talks um, with David, um, the muralist that painted with Pochli, that he was just going to paint it over. 
Like, no, there's there's got to be another way that we can restore this mural like we do at archaeological sites. We just don't decide, you know, we don't find a, a fresco from Italy and uh, or the Greek period or the Minoan period. And we don't just like, oh, we'll just paint over it and redo the design. You know, we'll figure out what the design was and then we'll just redo it. No, we we conserve it. We we actually will go out there and do meticulous work to bring back the mural and it's the best possible state that we we could bring it back into so we we thought about that okay let's think of this as kind of like an archaeological site and how do we bring it back and fortunately um they've been doing this in los angeles so we reached out to the organization that's doing it in los angeles social public art resource center and they provide some guidance for us david went to l.a um, they just happened to be working on a few murals and he learned the technique. And then we came here, we tested on little corners of Huitzilipochtli and we're like, yeah, this is doable. And it was very exciting to see that we were able to just completely take off the white paint. The mural was right there. Um, it was a little beaten up. It took a little hit, but um, you know, after that we covered with mural shields. Um, that was last year to prevent any kind of like tagging or any kind of more um, wear and tear from the elements and then he came back just about a month ago to restore it you know to touch up any areas that were very faded and we brought it back so it was really really significant for us that we were able to do that and the Chicano Chicana Chicanex mural project has gotten a lot of what like 40 murals in the Denver area on a register or, or at least yeah. registered as endangered how, how, what was that process like and what, how many more murals on that list have yet to be restored? Oh, well, okay, so um, last year, well actually the year before, um, 2021 in the fall, I submitted an application with the support of History Colorado, Historic Denver, and the City of Denver, and um, CMCP, the, Ch the Chicano Murals Colorado Project, um, nominated um, the Chicano murals in Colorado. So it's not just Denver, it's in all of Colorado to be on the 11 most endangered places. And they were selected. So what that meant is for the very first time murals have been recognized on this list. And they were Chicano murals from Colorado and we're calculating that there's approximately 40 murals in the state that potentially could be restored that are historic or legacy murals. So the plan is to keep moving along and doing this, but it is going to be very challenging because we always need to take into consideration who owns the building and if they're willing to work with us because we can't just tell the building owner, hey, you need to protect this mural. We gotta preserve it. We gotta protect the integrity of it for 50, 100 years from now. They have to be on board with wanting to do that. So that building awareness is really key to this. Like, that they understand that this is really important for the community that you live in, that you own property in, and how can we come up with a solution together to protect it. Where are some of the murals that are not in Denver that are on this list? Um, well, actually, there's one I was just last weekend in San Luis. San Luis, um, there's many murals. Actually, there's many murals throughout the state, but this is one in particular that we saw is the really first opportunity to try and get a mural on the National Register because it's already on a historic building that's on the National Register. But it was the mural was never recognized. Um, the fact is, is they did that in the 70s, the mural was painted in the early 80s. 
but the fact um, that the mural was painted in the early 80s, the area where it's at, and Carlos Sandoval is one of the early uh, muralists in Denver and Colorado, and it's the only mural left that he has painted. All the rest of his murals have been erased. So it was our opportunity to save his last mural. And um, so we submitted a nomination to the um, National Register, and it has passed the first um, phase with the um, Preservation Board of uh, Colorado. And now we're, it's at the National Parks, and we're waiting to hear if it's going to be on the National Register. And if that happens, it's the very first mural that's going to go on the National Register. So it's really significant, too. Uh -huh. And as the daughter of a muralist who accompanied him doing his art and grew up around other people who participated in this muralist movement. What have been some of the conversations as the, the older generation sees the, the attempts of their children's generation to preserve their artwork for their grandchildren's generation? Um, I, th I think my father's very humbled by it and other muralists like Carlos. I was just uh, talking to him last week and giving him the good news and they're very humbled because um, when these murals were erased, it was devastating for them and the community and the fact that we can save some of them, it really made them feel like, you know, they were valued, not just by their community, because they've always known that, but beyond that. And I think that's what really, um, for them to know that is, is just something that is so powerful for all of us. And I'm not just talking about Chicanos. I'm talking about everybody, that we're all kind of um, giving their equal share to, to what should be considered historic in these um, cities and, and states. And it's really just like kind of balancing what hasn't been balanced for a very long time. And what has been, what was the historical context of the original murals? Um, a lot of it was based on um, finally trying to fill a sense of place in, in an area where you didn't feel like that. You didn't feel welcome, even though you know you're like for many families, they've been here. My family's been here for 10 generations, you know, so it's like it's the reality was it's like I'm going to ground myself here. This is where I'm from. And I want to celebrate that, and that's what these murals did. So for them to be in public spaces, and this is what's really important about what the definition of a mural is. It's on a permanent structure. And that's really, really inspiring to know that you have the ability to put your history on this permanent structure that you hope will be here for a very long time. I mean, when you go to archaeological sites, what do you see? All you see is structures. And occasionally, if you're lucky, there's a mural on it. So if you think about 500 years from now, when you come to Denver, what are you going to see when you come to Denver? You're going to just see some structures, but will you see murals uh, representing diverse communities? Probably not, if we can't protect more than just one or two. So what does that tell you? As an archaeologist, I would have no idea that those communities lived in these spaces. So you would not know their history at all. They wouldn't be represented at all in these spaces. So it's very powerful. Um, that's why they, you know, the preservation is such a powerful tool. And we need to learn how to utilize that tool more effectively.
And understanding that the historical context behind some of these murals, I want to ask if there's also a, a drive or a consideration to preserve and protect some of the murals, for example, that are more recent. I'm thinking of specifically Alicia Cárdenas, mm -hmm. who was murdered and also has her art in different places in Denver. Are there efforts to, to preserve her artwork and her legacy? Absolutely. Um, so that's why that's the distinction between historic murals um, and legacy murals. So two of Alicia's murals are the legacy murals that are part of those 40 um, murals on the list in Colorado. So um, we are very aware of that, that some of our artists we lost very early on. And if we don't save these murals, Alicia is not going to paint another mural and we will lose that um, contribution that she made to her community. That was Lucha Martinez de Luna, director of the Chicano Chicana Chicanex Murals of Colorado project and curator of Latino history and culture at History Colorado. An artist she mentioned repeatedly in that interview is David Ocelotl Garcia, who not only restored one of his own murals on the building at 2895 West 8th Street, but also helped to restore the one originally painted by Carlos Sandoval. My name is David Ocelot Garcia, and uh, I'm a mural painter, also a sculptor. And so, um, yeah, I'm standing here on the west side of the, this building here that uh, used to be a community center um, called Sisters of Color. And uh, now it's, it was rented out to a, another organization. But uh, so this mural here is called Xipetotec, which is uh, very meaningful because uh, one of our goals was to uh, based on the direction the wall was facing, that it would have a relation to uh, a tribal uh, like deity. In this case, uh, is in the Mexican tradition, uh, the, we call the Mexica tradition, uh, also known as like Aztec tradition. And so, Xipetotec um, on this wall was because it's a, a character that pertains to the West. And it, this character is, uh, represents la, yeah, spring, uh, the springtime often and uh, kind of the shedding of, uh, of, of the old. And so it's a very interesting depiction uh, traditionally because it's this character that it seems seemingly has uh, uh, skin kind of like shedding from his hands. So he almost looks like he has a two or four hands in a way because of the hands that are shedding. But it's symbolic, it's metaphoric, and it, it, um, uh, it's a metaphor kind of representing uh, the ability to let go of the past. So there's a lot of kind of uh, philosophical uh, um, um, explanations for it, but but plain and simple is, is just about uh, shedding your skin and whatever that means to you. But but in this case, it's very meaningful to the you know to the native um, community in that way because um, uh, because of the symbolism and the energy that. Uh, uh, this that this uh, deity you know uh, has and, and and it's and it's uh, historical um, significance. But it's not just shedding skin; it's also shedding a layer of white paint that was plastered over this. If I'm not mistaken, how did how was this mural restored to its original uh, form? So, the using a very um, kind of archival techniques um, that I researched and trained for some time to use. So it's basically using uh, real specific materials that are designed to basically take layers of paint off a surface uh, 
uh, but in a real um, gradual, real uh, um, uh, sensitive way, you know, where you, where you control kind of the chemical balance of the materials. And then using water uh, and a power washer to kind of wash away some of the layers slowly and then kind of, uh, you know, the goal is always to try not to um, damage the original artwork. And so, um, yes, it's very tedious, time-consuming, yeah, but it's just a technical uh, uh, um, technique uh, of cleaning uh, uh, a damaged surface, you know, when it comes to um, spray paint or primers or anything that, you know, might have um, gotten on the mural itself. And so um, it was kind of following these techniques we were able to restore that way. And how much of it did you, because this looks very, very fresh, so you're restoring an old or a formal mural that was painted over, you went through this painstaking, tedious process mm -hmm. of stripping off the white paint that was over it, then did you go through a different process of matching the colors and then yeah, filling them yeah, in? Followed, did you have any help? Yeah, yeah, followed by the the restoration when you clean it, then then you have to look for what, had got, what gets damaged, because it's the nature of the technique is uh, that the wall is going to get damaged you know the, the the original paint will get damaged and so um, there is a, a certain amount of restoration in in regard to the actual color too and so that does involve uh, you know trying to mix the colors that you have originally used and, it, and that, that in itself is can be somewhat tedious and technical and you know somewhat complicated in some ways but uh, it's very possible so this was originally painted by somebody else, restored by you, but around the corner, we have something that was painted by you, it says in 2007? Yeah. Yeah, so I, over here I did a mural called Huitzilopochtli Hummingbird Warrior, and it's actually my very first mural that I ever attempted to create, and it just really set me on a new trajectory in my career, and uh, it's a very nostalgic uh, piece for me, it's very, you know, emotional. And so, uh, you know, this, this, this particular, again, you know, being, it, being that it's my first painting and, and it was very much like a real innocent, you know, real innocent time where I just was pure instinct and intuition. And that's what got in and, 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 and that's what, you know, kind of took me on a whole journey of mural painting, you know, across the country. So this this was was never covered up, or did you have to restore this as well? Yes, yes. This was this was the most complicated piece here. Actually, it was completely, you know, painted over and sitting there for over a year. How did you find out that this had been covered up? And did you come out here to just see it with your own eyes after hearing about yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, interestingly, the community uh, that that uh, uses these spaces, you know, that drives by it, literally. Um, made it made me aware literally right away. That's how fast that news travels. So that's how kind of just shows, gives you an idea of how meaning uh, how important this piece is to the community. And so literally w right after they were done, I got a phone call, two call phone calls. And, you know, people letting me know that it's you know something's going something's wrong. You know, the, the murals is not there anymore. And so then at that point, yeah, I had to come out and just figure out what had happened because that wasn't supposed to happen and so that was you know the beginning of the kind of the conversation we had to have about what's going on what happened 
and what are we going to do about it? <laughs> Let me take you back around this corner because of the, the traffic sounds. This is your first, very first painting over here. It's 2007. You have several other paintings around town. Your, your, your work is on the inside of the pyramid at La Raza yep. Park, right? Mm -hmm. Where else do you have your, your works? Where, who People who might not know your name, uh, but know your work. So here in Colorado, I have work in Boulder, Dairy Center. Uh, I have work in um, Aurora, uh, two places. One is the art district on Colfax. And then also in the main library, uh, for Alameda. I have an installation there. Um, I have work in um, by the uh, Butterfly Pavilion out there. Uh, I don't know if that's Wheat Ridge or Westminster. No, it's Westminster. Yeah, I have work out there, and uh, that's right by the Butterfly Pavilion. One one of the trails, one of the bike trails. So it's a little hidden. This is right by a bike trail yeah, too. That, it's, bike trail. it's not hidden if you ride a bike. No, no, no. Not, it's not hidden. It, it, so it's, it's if you ride a bike, you see a lot more of those. And then in the in the highlands, or we call it the north side, you know, I have uh, the mural in, uh, in La Raza Park there. And then also on 30, 32nd and um, Pecos, I have a mural there. And maybe a few others here in Colorado. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and what is the importance of, you were saying earlier that you have some sculptures over there. You were playing the drums with a dance group before. Yeah. What is the importance of having a, multiple disciplines as an artist as a community-based artist i just you know the 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 art the the medium is just the is just a uh it's just a vehicle you know the medium is just a vehicle for creativity for me so um i find creativity in different places whether it's music or painting or sculpture or anything else that might seem like you know uh in um gardening you know and so um, for me it's just different different ideas require different mediums and so sometimes they all connect sometimes they don't or it's just you never know but it's really about the energy uh, that uh, that we use to create it lives everywhere it lives even in places that we don't consider as uh, creative places you know it lives there too because we all actually use this to uh, to be creative in our jobs, in our hobbies, in our life, and so it's not much different than that for me, you know, for me. And so, uh, more more personally, because I follow a lot, I follow my tradition, my native heritage is very important, uh, my Mexican heritage, and so that's just more cultural for me to to let's say play the the native drum or the flutes. That's just it has a lot to do with my culture, but it just so happens to be an instrument that can play sounds that can be cons considered a, a, a piece of art, you know, uh, like a paintbrush or a, or a, um, a flute is the same to me. Because <laughs> I like to be abstract, you know, and I like to, uh, you know, my, I even develop my own style of art even to, to kind of help me understand how I travel around on all these different mediums. So you know, I, I developed a style called abstract imaginism because of that too. And, and it's just a part of uh, my own journey as an artist and my path that, that is just uh, my own reality. This is all I follow, I follow that. Is there anything else that you wanna add that I didn't touch on with my questions? One thing I like to share is the, the energy of art, uh, the, you know, I, 
if you if you look at art from a different perspective and not just as art as a visual piece but rather a piece that uh, is actually alive I, I like to share that and just challenge people to see art different that way uh, imagine it's an actual like flower or a tree or an animal or something that's you know that's actually moving around I like to challenge that and, and just say that that's really what the that's what murals are you know that's what art is and if and if it's if it's possible just to be creatively challenge yourself and, and say this is alive you know I want to interact with it I want to feel what it's trying to say that yeah I just be curious and um, encourage people to to uh, interact with the art that way which we already do naturally but just even thinking of it that way might change your next visit to a mural or a museum yeah David Ocelotol Garcia, thank yeah. you so much for speaking with me yes, today. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was artist David Ocelotol Garcia speaking about his work with the Chicano Murals of Colorado project. More information about the project is available at www.chicanomuralsofcolorado.com. In the first half of the program, we heard from the project's director, Lucha Martinez de Luna. For KGNU, I'm Shannon Young.